All right, is it recording? Welcome to Left and Leftist, the podcast that takes a no-holds-barred skeptical look at America when the right is wrong and you have nowhere to turn. You can head on over to Left and Leftist. Today is episode number three. And as always, we have our two co-hosts here with me. We have Caleb coming to you from the left. What's up, y'all? And our resident hardcore leftist, we have Sheldon. I'm the leftist. I like his tagline. He's just the leftist. <laughs> hey, he's. it's going to happen. It's going to do what he, he's going to say what he's going to say. But speaking of what he's going to say, we're going to jump right into this week's news very soon. But first, we're going to dive in to the leftist screed. Okay, well, uh, this is our show for the week of the 4th of July. So necessarily, I'm going to talk about patriotism. My remarks this week, just as a preface, are inspired by, and a riff on, a moving passage from what I esteem to be the greatest address on the topic. So before any of our massive audience of about a dozen or so listeners flames me for ripping it off or for outright plagiary, I'm going to give credit where credit is due to Frederick Douglass. And you may know him as someone who has done an amazing job and is being recognized more and more. <laughs> What to the American leftist is the 4th of July? I answer, it is a day that reveals more than any other on the calendar that the flag-waving rah-rah bullshit which marks the occasion has supplanted in totem any love for country or patriotism, if you will. To the leftist, this celebration is a sham. Rather than take solemn stock of the ways in which we can think better or feel better or even do better, it's an excuse to boast of universal liberty and claim that liberty was won at gunpoint, while a great many people who do not to this day enjoy that liberty are at the wrong end of that barrel. Would we not, for love of country, forego the vain proclamations that this is the greatest nation on earth and pause just for one day to think with our heads and dream with our hearts as to how to make it so? You see, the joyous sounds of, of citizens singing the Star-Spangled Banner or that Lee Greenwood abortion are empty and heartless. The impudent denunciation of tyrants in the former is refuted by your support of a government which favors the rule of tyrants. And the shouts of freedom in the latter stink like Ted Nugent's draft day trousers when tens of millions of everyday people rely on the whims of their employer, should they be so lucky as to have one, for something so fundamental as access to health care. You see, the celebration of the United States is a national religion. All the aforementioned flag-waving and cheerleading, they get joined up on the 4th with sing-alongs and fireworks, making the entire fair a sacrament. And sure, I like fireworks. Uh, who doesn't like whiz-bang and pow-pow? It is a cool spectacle. But in ad abject adherence to a concept like this one, that our country is unassailable in its rectitude, those fireworks are nothing but bombast, fraud, and hypocrisy. They're a thin veil to cover a failed state, which presides over what, to the leftist, looks like a nation of savages. Every institution which governs daily life is committed either to transferring the product of our labors to the wealthy and the privileged, or to violently enforcing that outcome. 
security, equality, and justice take an eternal backseat to comfort, control, and greed. Just what the fuck is there to celebrate, apart from the awesome sight that is several tons worth of gunpowder going boom in the sky? And if that's all it is, why not pick a different occasion? I mean, how about Arbor Day? We can then celebrate the planting of a bunch of trees by accidentally burning down a few. It might make a little bit of sense, uh, even if in irony. The leftist does not exude love for the fourth, but that does not preclude love for country. Patriotism has nothing to do with that date for July 1776, because that date is supposed to represent the figurative birth of a modern democratic nation. What has instead come to pass is literally far more like the film Birth of a Nation. There is not a governing force on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than, are, than is the governing force of these United States at this very hour. This country is my home, and I want to make that plain. Even in my darkest hours, several of which have passed on some Independence Day or another, I have not considered living anywhere else. The love-it-or-leave-it crowd, who are most prone to the shallow displays of tribal affection which for them represent patriotism, have no understanding of the anguish inherent in a desire to see one's country improve. So I say they can have the fourth. They did not earn it, and never will they deserve it. But if that religious parade is enough for them to proclaim their love of country, I can't object. But when they see me, though, refusing to participate, refusing to wave that fucking flag, and they demand that I love it or leave it, it is out of a belief that my country can indeed be the greatest nation in the history of the earth that I respond to them, I'm not moving. Why don't you? So as we've got a lot to get to this week, please take it away, Coulter. Well, you know, as much as I'd like to spend this entire episode talking about Trump's lackluster rally appearance with a stadium only filled at 25% capacity, we got other things we need to cover, but we do need to talk about this at least for a few minutes. So We have to. We have to. Yeah. Did you see, did you see the stage, the extra stage that he built outside for the people that couldn't come out? He was going to come out and give a second speech. Right. And, and was, they sadly started tearing it down about ninety minutes in advance of when he was scheduled to make the address on that stage because fucking no one was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best part is is that it is really the run up to leading to it, right? So, like here here's an example. Let let's say they. The, my favorite part is uh, is actually specifically Alex Jones this week in his fervor to say how big of a success it was the, of this rally that happened in Oklahoma. He actually, in that process, said that it was like the fault of all of these people who, who went online and reserved all the tickets from like TikTok. But the funny part of that is is it was still first come first serve. You could have actually downloaded a million tickets. Once you had the ticket, you still had to show up. So for example, if there were 19,000 people that were intending to show up and they actually showed up, they would have got in. Indeed. So in all reality, really only that 25% really showed up, no matter how much online trolling happened, it had little effect to actually what showed up. I, I seriously, I was at, I was at Yellowstone last weekend and 
I think more people were there to see Old Faithful at <laughs> See, and that's and that was the real trigger. Did you guys see uh, how 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 the president looked when he got off of the plane back in Washington D.C. that night? No, he, he, he was he was an absolute wreck. He was disheveled. His his he he, he he removed his tie. He had a temper tantrum on Air Force One. He lit into his staff, and it was all it, what triggered him was that. Given the choice, the you know the rump nation, given the choice between showing out to do their little swine grunting at his speech, between that, given the choice between that and being safe, not contracting the COVID. They chose not to contract the COVID. He lost. He lost. He lost to the. He lost to the virus, and uh, and well, anyway. Um, one other. He's going to continue. That, he's going to continue to lose to the virus. And, indeed, and really, and it drives him nuts because he can't. He can't control it. And, he can't, and he can't control the narrative on the virus, right? So, for example, no matter how much he tries to say that the <laughs> virus doesn't exist, it exists and it keeps getting worse. But I just wanted to throw this in really quick. I think this is hilarious. The the, the president's campaign to be reelected right now has to manage this giant baby who must, despite the circumstances, despite the fact that he really shouldn't, despite the fact that no one really wants to see him, he must be trotted out to, to have his party. And the campaign has to has to make all these arrangements and spend all this money in order to get him out there. And <laughs> when do we when do we and, think we're going to see another one? Another, another soon, campaign. Another soon, campaign. because they they have to, don't they? Yeah, he's the, doing the, one in Arizona within the next two weeks. He's going he's going to lose his mind if he doesn't. Beautiful. Yeah. He needs to go into a room with everybody that loves him to swoon over his little ego. <laughs> and that's exactly what makes him happy. Like hey, that here, is here. that is happiness to Donald Trump is people swooning over him. I'm going to reveal my Europhile bullshit right here i've watched a couple bundesliga games since they started piping in uh, uh a, a phony crowd they've put up di digital placards in these soccer stadiums and and people are zooming into the soccer and, and and it looks like this and then they pipe in the crowd noise and that's what donald trump needs he needs yep. to go in an arena where a bunch of people are zoomed in just like bundesliga football but anyway he he, ha he won't figure that out Oh, no one with this campaign is intelligent enough to figure that that's the way to go right now. He's going to fill it with those like incredible wavy arm inflatable people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wacky arm inflatable guy. Wacky arm inflatable guy. Use tire shop. It's going to fill the whole stadium full <laughs> right. of those. You're beautiful. I love you. So peaceful. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> what. <laughs> who's, got a, who's got our first headline of the day? Oh, oh, I've yeah. got the first Coulter. headline of the day. We got Trump fires Berman and the Southern District of New York after tensions over inquiries. Yeah, yeah. Was was anyone else impressed that this U.S. attorney given Attorney General Barr the finger here? Like Barr's, <laughs> Barr's like, you stepped down. No, I didn't. Well, you're fired. No, I'm not. I'm going to replace you with someone that's going to drop all the charges involving the president and all of his sex trafficking friends. Yeah, no, you're not. I mean, how did he think this was going down? This guy is a United States district attorney. He can barely fit both his balls and his ego in the door. And Barr thought he was just going to roll over. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> First, let, let, let's just establish this once and for all. Bill Burr is better than Bill Barr. 
Fact. Okay. I think we've established that. <laughs> Fact. But, but seriously, Fact. I, I hate to go all dark side, but that's my job. I'm the leftist. I'm supposed to bum you out. Does this country have the has the attention span of a, of a four-year-old? Because fucking Berman, he was the president's man. That was 45's appointee in SDNY. This office was held in 2017 by a guy named Preet Bharara. And uh, perhaps someone remembers him and the circumstances in which the president fired him. I don't know. Nope. Probably not. I, yeah, I mean, I do, but... I, it was just look, as dramatic as this firing, really. Yeah, well, it was over the same thing. And I argue that there shouldn't even be a replacement for the duration of this year for the same reason that Barrara was fired. Because whoever is the U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York is going to be paralyzed by that thick piece of plastic explosive on their desk that's known as the Trump file. You know, and so they're going to... It's going to happen again and again in this episode of Outrage... In establishment circles, it also calls to mind to me another piece of evidently ancient history. Uh, again, bummer, I'm going way back to the dinosaurs, but in 2005, Carl Rove and Alberto Gonzalez, they put together a list. See, yeah, a I, list. I remember this was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, you remember this. It was a big deal uh, back then, right? But we're supposed to forget it now. It was a list of seven U.S. attorneys whom they intended to have dismissed midterm just like Barrara was dismissed midterm, just like Berman was dismissed midterm, if they did not pursue certain allegations of elections fraud. And in 2006, the president made those dismissals. No, it was 14 years ago, ancient history. So far in the past, it's like it never happened. And then, look, legacy media behaves as if we can't recall a concept from about three fucking years ago in this story. So 14 is certainly a bridge too far. That's why it, like, I have not seen it tied together at all. And I know uh, I've said it. But one thing I will kind of insert there is that in 2005, when Alberto Gonzalez and and Carl Rove were putting and scheming that plan, there was the blue wave of 2006 following that. And if I remember correctly, it came in that, advance. It did come in advance. The but dismissals did. The, the di dismissals did. But the point I'm trying to make was that the reason that blue wave came, because remember, <laughs> you have to realize in 2004, Bush and the Republicans, yeah, so clean, they, they cleaned house because they had a ton of support from the right. war on terror. And so the idea is they blew that because they showed themselves to be corrupt. And right. well, look, and I the, know. the point I'm trying to say is elections do have consequences and showing yourself to be as corrupt as specifically this entire administration is. And it is corrupt at every level to the core. There is no level at the Trump administration right now that is pretty much not corrupted by Trump, you are now yeah. starting to see the pushback. And that's why you're seeing that 14 point difference no, look, going towards I, look, the blue. Coulter, I completely disagree with you. I, I agree with your points, but I have a completely different take. I, I know I've said it, you know, I'm, all I'm saying is this, this president is not an aberration. And to me, this case in particular proves it. He has actual material interests in the Southern District of New York, because they're investigating his, they're investigating his personal affairs. And in 2006, it was just blatant partisan hackery. There was no material interest involved. And the president right now, the sitting president actually has material, material interest. Don't you think the material interest makes it much worse? It does. It makes it I, a lot worse. I, it doesn't I, matter. Doesn't matter. I mean, it's just it, the, the institution is completely corrupt and ruined. Well, it, matter, it matters. No. It matters that it, 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 what matters it, is that, you know, there are certain set of rules. And as long as you play within the there rules, there aren't there aren't. That was it's 14 years since those rules existed. The institution is dead. It's failed. It's gone. It's over. The U.S. attorneys don't matter.
Yes, and that is the point I'm trying to... Well, the U.S. attorneys matter if you're poor and they're prosecuting you. Well, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> so there's that. But that. But that's why I get up on the horseback. Look, the institution failed a long time ago. According to the media, it was centuries ago. We, we can't even think about it. So well, what, what, what's to get upset about now? I mean, uh, to be US- honest, the only thing I see here that's political that's going to happen in any way is Congress is going to try to put some pressure on the Justice Department. And will they get anything done to hold Barr's feet to the fire? No, nothing's going to happen, right? They're going to furrow their brows, clutch their pearls, act <laughs> like they're they're sitting around doing something about it. But they're in the end... Real hard look at this idea of like possibly putting Barr through an impeachment trial. Like, is that going to be great during a presidential run, or is that going to shoot them? In to the be floor? honest, I think anything to actually hold this administration to fire in any way. To be honest, there is a gel in the bottom of Congress, right? They actually have the power to hold somebody and put them in jail for not following a subpoena. They could actually do that, and nobody wants to cross that line. It has been crossed. It was crossed in the early 1900s during a very similar corrupt Justice Department, and they actually did put somebody and hold them in jail, and it went all yeah, the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah, they held them in contempt. They held them in contempt of Congress, yeah. and they went all the way to the Supreme Court. And guess what? Shit got done then. There were That's actually where the mm-hmm. law came to be able to actually get to see any American's tax returns, that is actually a law in the books, which is why it's ridiculous we're even going to the Supreme Court to find out if we can look at the president's tax returns. It's an actual law on the books that you can because it came in the year, I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I think it was like 1906. So the fact is, is that Congress is not holding itself up to its actual power. What you're proving, and, what you're proving here is that is that memory is actually an act of subversion. I remember that the institution that is the independent branch of law enforcement, known as the United States Attorneys, who are supposed to prosecute those large federal cases, that institution died a long time ago, and I'm not supposed to remember that. I'm just supposed to be outraged by this one little shiny object here now. And you remember that Congress can. Just toss people in the clink, hold them in contempt, and jail them for it. You're not supposed to, right? Because you're, we're just supposed to, we're, we're just supposed to sit and it hasn't happened in a hundred some odd years, something like that. Right, we're not supposed to remember it can yet. You know, we have a president that could pull out a hundred year old law and try to use it anytime he wants to, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. So like to pull out that the, the, the dinosaur laws. Speaking of dinosaurs and someone uh, that doesn't believe in them. What's what's going on? What's going on in our next story here? Our friend Dr. Fauci, really the lone sane person at the White House, he's pranced around before deciding that science wasn't good enough and that was just too lame to deal with and then they sidelined him. He's had some really great stuff to say about the American people when it comes to the rising cases of the coronavirus. So, Sheldon, why don't you read a quote from Dr. Fauci? So some of what Fauci said is one of the problems we face in the United States is that unfortunately there is a combination of anti-science bias that people are for reasons that sometimes are, you know, inconceivable or not understandable. They just don't believe in science and they don't believe in authority. So when they see someone up in the White House, which has an air of authority to it, who's talking about science, that there are some people who just don't believe that. And that's unfortunate because, you know, Science is truth, and it's amazing sometimes that the denial 
there it's it's amazing sometimes the denial there is it's the same thing that gets people who are anti-vaxxers who don't want people to get vaccinated even though the data clearly indicate the safety of vaccines that's really a problem it really is a problem and another problem we had is the hate preacher franklin graham and you know reference here to papa billy (laughs) yeah Yeah, billy graham (laughs) the reverend billy graham the reverend billy graham He steps in to prove that Dr. Fauci is completely right. And here's some quotes from a Facebook post that he wrote in response to this quote by Dr. Fauci. Oh, this week, Dr. Anthony Fauci made the statement that science is truth. Really? I would beg to differ. Science may be a quest for truth, but it is certainly fallible. I'm not against science, of course, but we know that scientists often disagree as an example, the early Imperial College London coronavirus model has since proven wrong. And disputes continue today between the experts about the model used more recently in the U.S. And man did not evolve from apes or tadpoles. As many scientists say, that's just not true. God created man and woman as the Bible says. <laughs> I love I love the people there. I love it. <laughs> he goes from like models from the Imperial College of London to, oh, yes, and... The Scopes trial. We're not. <laughs> if America has an anti-science bias, as the doctor said in his interview, it might be because we aren't sure whether to trust those who are presenting their science to us. Dr. Fauci first told the American people they didn't need to wear face masks, then reversed himself to say that we did. And then he revealed the reason that he said that initially was because there was a shortage of face masks. So the facts changed to avoid a run on face masks. That's not a good step toward building trust. Look, science isn't truth. God is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. I hope that everyone will come to know the truth, Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This truth can change your life for eternity. Uh, And so can the coronavirus. So can Uh, the coronavirus. Uh, Just saying. That was a good gram. I that was. I'm proud of you. That was good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was a first run. So, <laughs> but you, you. All right. Let's talk about the mental gymnastics in that paragraph alone, right? I, I think Caleb pointed out the first step where he's yeah, like, you go he, right he, to apes. He go. He go. Well, he goes straight from trying to like put on a little spin that he knows something about science, right? And this is a guy who knows nothing about science. He does. He. The, this entire paragraph proves he doesn't even understand science because he was so proud just to use the word Imperial College of London like he could quote some kind of you know actual source of knowledge to make his point. But then he immediately. But, but even wrote, then, even then, the 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 argument he's trying to use is bad because he's using that some people kind of narrative, right? Some you know some people say that that Caleb on my show actually murdered somebody. Some people say some say people that. can say whatever any they whatever they want. It's just that's the I fallacy he uses to, dip, to disprove science. So the the fact is is that even his uh, example of early empirical college of London coronavirus models, which are since proven wrong, disputes continue today between experts in the model used most recently. He uses a some people say attitude towards that, which means that you know. It hasn't even really truly been proven wrong. He, he's just saying that to to raise so and so doubt, even though he doesn't really even understand what he's talking about. It, it just boggles my mind that so many of these mega billionaire preachers. I mean, that guy is a go zillionaire, right? 
a, an absolute multi multi millionaire. I looked up his net worth; it's like ten million or whatever. And he was born with ten million up his ass from his dad oh, already. By far more, far more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. Squandered plenty of that away. But he, there's still these mega bazillionaires, and we're like, let's trust them and and not science. Like, how long? How long is this going on? How long do we have to do this? Oh, it's but it has been going on forever. Of course, I, I, I mean, know. and. I, religion has its place for those people that want it, but empirical data is empirical data. Damn it! The fact is, is where he's like. So the facts change to avoid the run on face masks. So that's not a good step towards building trust. You know, I, I also think that that's not necessarily true. Uh, they were repeating what the WHO was was saying, right? The WHO came out from the beginning saying that face masks may not make a change. And the reason is because is at the point of that time, coronavirus was so new, they didn't really know. Yeah, and, and, and the World Health Organization, I'm sorry, man, whatever, whatever to them. They just want to get out in front. And they they do, but the point I'm trying to make is that I know I know what you're, when you're dealing you're with saying, a brand but... new virus and there's a lot going on, they're gonna make a bad call. People are gonna make bad calls. But the thing that is difference between science and these religious nuts is that when they do make a bad call, they'll actually admit it and correct it. Whereas find me a preacher that you come up to them with evidence that God doesn't exist that you actually change their mind. Well. They won't do that. Are, are, Caleb, are you familiar with the with the Aldous Huxley quote about anti-intellectualism? Oh, I'm sure I've heard it, but what, do you know it? The strain of anti-intellectualism is in our political and cultural life, and it's nurtured by the false notion that democracy means that my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. And, and that's where the some people say uh, thing, that's, that's where that comes from. Exactly. Your knowledge. That's such a fantastic turn of phrase. But see, that's the thing is your ignorance has no comparison to my knowledge because Indeed. the fact is, because the fact is, is facts don't care what you believe. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And so I don't know. I just kind of feel like when, when I hear people disregard fact and disregard science to make some sort of statement that's like, you know, I feel just because my feelings are hurt or I am so entitled that I should be able to go somewhere without a mask. Uh, it's just bullshit in the my end. That's is, and this goes back to back to the screed from earlier is when people bring patriotism into this argument, like America was born on ignorance. What are you talking about? <laughs> we left a whole continent to come over here and be ignorant by ourselves. And it's totally true. Hey, one of those love it or leave it guys, a guy named Ethan Meltzer, I think. Why don't you tell us about him, Caleb? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethan Meltzer. Let, well, let's move on. Some good, goodbye, religious fervor. Uh, <laughs> Meltzer was indicted for planning an attack on his own army unit. He was set up by the FBI, and he was caught trying to send information to uh, jihadist terrorists in an attempt to, quote, cause mass, cause, mass casualty to his unit. He's apparently connected with the Order of Nine Angels, which is an anti-Semitic group that espouses the beliefs of both Nazis and jihadist terrorism. And I looked that into is the such a great, oh man, that is such great praxis. Such yeah, great praxis. Nazis and jihad. Yes. Uh-huh. Together at last. They've made, they've made it. I looked up on these guys and from hopenothate.org, which is a site that kind of 
profiles hatred and, and hatred groups. Their quote on them was in brief, A or O9A seeks to harness supernatural forces and <laughs> overthrow the alleged Nazarene or the Jewish influence on society and usher in a new imperial aeon or age ruled by a race of satanic supermen who would go on to colonize the solar system. That's a lot to take in there, Coulter. This is right up your alley. What what do you know about our spacefaring superhuman Nazis? I know that somebody that actually believes that kind of insanity just tried to kill his entire army unit on such a ridiculous belief set, right? Uh, and to me, that's actually really scary. Think about that. Like, there are people out there that have, you know, we, we live in a nation where, you know, we have a Second Amendment. We have people that have guns here. Uh, a lot of guns, probably more guns per person than anywhere else in the world. And there are people that believe this kind of shit that are armed. I don't know. If that's not scary to you, what is? And then on the other side of it, I like that they're also satanic superhuman that want to yeah, colonize. Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Su- su- they're superhuman sa- satanists that want to colonize the solar system. So one thing we do know is there's going to be some great sex. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. it's just it's the, the occult is an angle of the Third Reich. It's the satanic, <laughs> the the super satanic supermen who have sex in space. It's going to be. Let's just add some more alliteration if we can. this one is called consonants constant (laughs) consonants that is an example of consonants uh no look the 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 occultist angle is the third reich i can't believe this isn't dead yet because uh this is sort of up and this is also sort of up my alley caleb to be honest with you because i'm i'm something of uh i'm fascinated by the uh, by occultism and what influence it actually has over some of you're also a germophile yeah a a germophile (laughs) I love germs. I love germs. (laughs) Bring them on. I'm the one licking this. I'm the one licking the railings. But uh, there's this person called Madame Blavatsky. I don't know if either of you have ever heard of her, but she has, she is often credited and I think miscredited with the occultist strain that is inside the third Reich. And that's what this new Aeon of Superman who colonized the solar system. It all has to do with the writings of Madame Blavatsky. Uh, I'm not going to get into it. Wait, no. Is there a novel? Did she write? Is is this a book? What did she write? She wrote something called The Secret Doctrine. And it's it's incredibly difficult to read. And uh, it's it's fascinating all the same. Oh, yeah, it's been translated. Yeah, it's been translated. It started in German. No, Russian. She, she's a, she's a Russian national. As a matter of fact, Madame Blavatsky spent time hanging out with the Mormons when, during, uh, in their early inception when they were still out in New York and Pennsylvania. Not she surprised. Was, yeah, she was. Uh, so some of that. So yeah, we're going to anyway. There you go. <laughs> There's an occultist thread between the LDS faith and uh, and the Third Reich, and it's Madame Blavatsky, and that's what this that's what this guy believes in. Madame Blavatsky. I'm writing that down. That sounds like that sounds like a good read. Oh, it's boring as hell. <laughs> it's so <laughs> difficult. I mean, it it, w- it would be fascinating, but she writes like uh, like she's writing an instruction manual. Oh, so and she's writing about you know. Oh, come on, have any of you guys read the Book of Mormon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, 
but let's i mean you got we're, we're all from utah here so let's just admit it we've all at least had some sort of experience with the book of mormon and you want to talk about a book that's impossible to actually read and understand what the hell is going on no, it's, the book it's, of mormon it's stuff in there <laughs> the secret doctrine makes the book of mormon look like it is a a, a fairy tale wow it, that's how that's how difficult the secret doctrine really is. Dude, I, I tried and I tried. I don't want to be a super satanic space faring sex Nazi. <laughs> it's your destiny. It's your I'm destiny. Learning, I had to do that. Like you know, I'm trying to program my remote to its third TV because my TVs keep dying. You know, like. Well, you know, if, if, if uh, the only thing I can think of a satanic Superman space Nazi would be like a really great like uh, Bruce Campbell movie. I, I, yeah. I, I oh yeah, see, I could see Bruce well, Campbell taking out some serious satanic Superman. Space Bruce Nazis. Campbell and Ron Perlman. Oh yeah, with, with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Hellboy and 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 Bruce Campbell. What what did they call him in those evil in the evil in the what, what what's his character's name? I forget. God knows. Uh, no, I, it's Ash. Ash. Ash, right. That's right. Right. So Ash and Hellboy t- versus the Satanic Superman from from the third Aeon. No, it it is it is a o o nine a versus Hellboy and Ash. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's go on to the next story here. Uh, uh, yeah, Caleb, uh, something going on in Ohio, huh? Yeah, I got another doozy from Columbus. That's right. Columbus, boo, Ohio. I wonder where this is going. (laughs) So Columbus, Ohio, and many other cities are taking down statues of Christopher Columbus because he was an asshole. And this prompted a petition to rename the city of Columbus, Ohio, I shit you not, to Flavortown. (laughs) Woohoo! There's a, a legit petition to, to rename it Flavor Town because Guy <laughs> yeah, Fieri, baby. Yeah, Guy Fieri, that asshat with the white hair, um, <laughs> from the city, and the city is actually a big food testing market. So if your crap food makes it in Columbus, it's going to make it anywhere. And I'm just going to say on the record that Guy Fieri gets his ass kicked by Christopher Columbus in a fistfight all day. And I'd pay good money to see that. <laughs> I I don't know, man. <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, do does anyone know how small a person Christopher Columbus was? Because he had to have been small. We're talking about 15th century. He's not going to have the re- he's not going to have the reach to take like, on Guy Fieri. I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> a, a, a guy's going to be like, I'm taking you to Flavor Town. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then club is like, yes, that's right. Well, the, I for some reason I have Russian accent, even though I am Spaniard. <laughs> well, first off, you're doing it wrong. Have you ever read Christopher Columbus's like journals or whatever? He writes in the third person, and not only that, but he doesn't call himself by name. He just like refers to the admiral, and it takes a while for you to figure it out. It's just like <laughs> the. The Admiral had a smashing day today. I would sooner read The Secret Doctrine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Drank, drank the blood of some strange people on the new land of Columbia. Hey, uh, d- joking aside, things like this do happen. Remember when they named the boat on the internet in England and it became Bodie McBoatface? 
fact. Yes. Who, whose boat is this boat? If they, is this going to actually fly? Dear voters in Columbus, we know we have so many of you. You've oh, got to... Yeah. You've got to vote for Flavortown, please. And this, please. this is this is just another case of being forced to choose between the lesser of two evils. <laughs> because on the one hand, you can keep the name of some lost sailor rando whose legacy on this continent is the purposeful spreading of disease and chattel slavery, and on the other, an ill-attributed reference to some lost foodie rando whose legacy on this continent is accidentally awful television and heart disease. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the time that the people of Missouri were asked to choose a U.S. senator between John Af- Ashcroft and a dead guy. I mean, yes. <laughs> <lesser of> two <laughs> evils, like Flavortown or Columbus. Oh, I'm this going is- Flavortown all day, guys. I'm going Flavortown all day. Because John Ashcroft or dead guy? I'm going Flavortown all day because here's why. You guys live in a state with a town called Beaver. And just Beaver. for the fact the name of the town is Beaver, they have an entire market on T-shirts, you get I Heart Beaver t-shirts, and this town is a total shithole. There's nothing there. It's a, it's a truck Beaver stop. Taco is there. Beaver Taco. See? It, you see what I'm saying? Stop in There's for so a Beaver Taco. There's so many great puns to be had, and Flavortown only adds to those puns, and who cares about the name Columbus? So that is my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. If we're gonna if we're gonna name a town after a train wreck, let's name it after an American train wreck and not some asshat from Spain. You know, I Italy, agree. I guess I guess he was Italian. Uh, there, like we think, yeah, like it, so it was the Spanish royalty who sent him. But he, but I guess Columbus is Italian. Just ask any fucking Italian, okay? Columbus <laughs> is part of that fucking heritage. All right, leave the fucking statue alone. <laughs> well. Last Before not, I crack you upside the head. Well, last but not least, guys, and this is real, there was a document released by the city of New York City, and the name of this document is called COVID Sex Guidance, and it's a PDF that you can download. And I'm going to... Sex and COVID-19. This is actually what it's called. Like, yep. Have you guys read the document? Have you seen? Have you oh, seen? I've and read you the document. What? I've been, I haven't, and I've been waiting to, I've been waiting to hear from new friend of the show, former president of the United States, Bill Clinton. Well, good evening, my fellow Americans. <laughs> I've decided to address what I feel are my people. Don't tell me. On <laughs> the crass, sexual deviance of the United States. Woohoo! New York has set up some guidance for his for casual sex during these very trying times. And I say give it a chance. <laughs> yes, sir. Me and my sexual partners, particularly Hillary, has been wearing a mask for going on 30 years. Oh. <laughs> and, and I actually like that quite a bit better. And glory holes are not just for back rooms and small town bars. Just off of I-55 outside of Osceola, Arkansas. <laughs> you can take that sweet, sweet anonymity home into the bedroom. I mean, sometimes you don't want to know what's on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> With Hillary, oh my God. It feels good, gentlemen. And if you really must have sexual relations... With multiple partners. Oh, we must. Oh, we must, Mike. Tell us what to do. Why not go outside? It's exciting. You might learn something. Like wearing a condom and some bug spray. It's essential. 
<laughs> Look, in conclusion, boys, it's okay to have fun. And I'd like to say God bless glory holes. God bless the United States of America. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Quote of the year, God bless glory holes. <laughs> I just discovered my love for country again. <laughs> Bring yeah, on the fourth man. Where's your patriotism now, Sheldon? <laughs> well, speaking I, of, I take back, I take there, back every was, bad thing I've ever said about Bill Clinton. <laughs> if, there were, if there were Fourth of July glory holes, I think you'd be on board. <laughs> Especially during a pandemic, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Mister President. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, uh, what are we, where are we going to do for what are we going to do for the next segment? Oh, guess what? The next segment is we're going to be talking about Zimmerman's Playhouse, and we're going to talk about the Scottsdale City Councilman protests wearing a mask by saying, "I can't breathe." I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Insanity. Insanity. I'm going to start with a quote. So that that might seem just a little bit odd, but we know where he's going with this. George Floyd! George Floyd! George Floyd! Yeah, that guy is an asshole. An asshole. He, he, he's relating the complete and total inconvenience of having to wear a mask with the, with, like, the actual... <laughs> and Hillary's been wearing one for 30 years, man. Oh. <laughs> that goddamn bit. Fuck you, Caleb. Fuck you for ruining the show. <laughs> Talking about something very serious here. <laughs> oh, man. Look. So okay, all right. Before, anything more to say? Hey, Caleb, <laughs> I just, that guy's an asshole. He's re, he's relating to the inconvenience of of wearing a, a mask in public spaces with you know people's dead children. Like what a fucking prick! Yeah, and yeah, I mean you know, and he knows exactly what he's doing, right? Because at every single protest since forever, since Eric Garner was choked to death in Staten Island uh, has included chance of, I can't breathe. It's part of, he knows exactly what he's doing. And because guy Phillips, you know exactly what you were doing when you equated your protest of wearing a freaking face mask to prevent the spread of a deadly disease. You can fuck all the way off to Zimmerman's playhouse. So we here at left and leftist in no way, advocate that anyone be locked in George Zimmerman's playhouse for any cause, even this asshole Guy Phillips. Man, George Zimmerman's such an asshole. (laughs) 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 They'd they'd probably just sit there yelling back and forth at each other. I can't breathe. They put on the mask. They like hand it off back and forth. I can't breathe. Now you do it. I can't breathe. Anyway, I have one number for the numbers. And that's okay. One number. It's six hundred and thirty-seven billion. That's a lot of money. 
$637 billion is the amount of money that all of the billionaires, which I think it's like 627 billionaires in, in the United States, that's how much money they made last month. Last month, as in the month of May. Yep. $637 billion, while 44 million people are unemployed. That's all. That's all I got for you for the numbers. We're not I'm not I'm not gonna break that down. I just I just want to chew on that for a minute. Coulter, you wanna you wanna fire away because you know I'm ready. Oh, I, I've 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 got things to fire away on that. So you know I think when you talk about that six hundred and thirty seven billion dollars that they talk about these billionaires making in a single month, right? Let, let's talk about what let's talk about what a fraction of that even means, right? So, for example, I would consider myself a, a middle income American. I think the three of us would all consider ourselves middle income Americans, right? And I don't know, they make our entire annual salary in about two seconds with that kind of a number, right? Oh, and oh, so, yeah. it, it, when you put that in the scope of time and into such a small amount of people, there are 300 million people in this country, and how many billionaires were on that list? 627, I believe. So 627 people out of 300 million actually made more in about five seconds than I make in an entire year. I did. I did a little bit of math. That's that's enough money to pay all of the forty-four million people that filed for unemployment a good fifteen thousand dollars. That would be a nice uh, basic universal income, I think. Hey, but guess what? You can get instead one time a check for twelve hundred dollars. Are you in? Yeah. Who's with me? Who's with me? One time, one check. <laughs> I don't know. The proof that you're an adult in life right now is the is the day that twelve hundred dollars actually isn't enough money to actually do anything. Do you? Am I the only one who thinks that Trump is going to send twelve hundred dollars like as close as he can to the election, like like right on voting day? He's going to he's going to send out a check to the American public like just like a disaster relief check with his big Yeah, I think I think you're right. Could I try, think it, he could try but it's got to get through Congress, doesn't no, it? No, the Congress can't wait to give him the authority for another There's CARES Act 3 is already in the Senate and it includes another stimulus payment. It's already there. Uh they can't wait. Congress can't wait to give this president the ability to do this again. And this is where I am on this on on this ridiculous ridiculous number, 637 billion. That's that's about that's about average. I I I dove into it a little bit deeper. The billionaires of this nation makes make about that much in a month on average. So nothing has changed. Nothing has changed for them. They just keep accruing wealth. And meanwhile, I, I, I'm going to leave it there. I, I, I well, no, they I'm they they I'm do speechless. keep accru- they do keep accruing wealth, and the reason is is that a lot. Think about it this way: that is also tied could be tied directly to the reason why the stock market probably hasn't dropped as much as it should have during of this type of an economic crash. Because guess what? People like you, people like me, we don't have enough money in the stock market to even sway it anymore. Nobody right? does. 
Nobody, nobody does. does. Literally nobody does. Like a handful yeah. of people, you take BlackRock, you take BlackRock Financial as the only thing outside of the Forbes Top 40 list, the, the, as in the Forbes 40th, 40 wealthiest people in the country, only BlackRock Financial is the only like institution who can do something to the stock market by itself, apart from those 40 guys. And they're all guys, which is awesome. Yeah. Are they all guys? No, no, no. The billionaires? No, the top 40. The top 40. Oh, well, the top 40. The 40 wealthy. <laughs> yeah, because Oprah comes in somewhere. I know she does. <laughs> Aren't there? No, no. There's there's a couple of girl uh, Waltons. Yeah, there's there's there. But they didn't even yeah. earn that money. That money was inherited. None of them did. None of these people earned the money. Doesn't isn't she way up there now? I mean, his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. Look, I just I just wanted to point out yet another staggering number to social wealth disparity in this country and how it makes me sick and i want to puke it is it is a pretty pukey number when it comes to thinking about the state of our country i i i could tell you right now there are people that are listening to the show and every one of us we all know somebody who's lost their job we probably know lots and lots of people who have lost their jobs as part of this uh, pandemic and it's heartbreaking. I've seen people have to really struggle through and it, you know, having to go through a pandemic and think about this. Try to look for a job right now if you're unemployed. Like that is that feels like a very staggering experience right now trying to find a job in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, and here yeah. Here, here comes a stupid freaking democratic socialist of America leftist asshole with his take on this thing. You know which countries don't you know which country you know which populations don't have to deal with this at all France Germany Denmark Sweden they don't have to deal with this at all they it, don't no, no, they, because they, just, they have social safety nets for yeah, exactly this reason they had the infrastructure the infrastructure is in place to take care of every man woman and child who is born into their nation but they and, have so many less missiles than us damn it they need to build more <laughs> missiles if they built more missiles, they'd be on an equal footing with us. Damn it. Yeah, they need the more. The president is right. Yeah. Damn yes. it. They need more $150 million fighter planes. I wouldn't have to be jealous of them if they, oh, man. It's all coming It's all coming together now. I figured it is. We've got them in spades as, uh, missiles and glory holes. I'm sure we've got them on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, last but not least... Uh, we've got, uh, we're going to, we got some goodbyes to say, we got, we got some good things to say for the the end of the show today. Some goodbyes to say some old hands lost in the New York primary on Tuesday. Oh, Oh, such sad Uh, tune. So both of the people about whom we're speaking served in Congress as members of the democratic party. For four decades. For four decades. Elliot. And and, and they're leaving. Elliot. Lance. Elliot Ingle. Ingle. Elliot Ingle. <laughs> we hardly knew you because you never amounted to anything. But <laughs> but a tool a tool for the Hawks on the right and, and a rising star of the Democratic Party because you never made any waves and we never knew you. You were there for 30 years and you accomplished nothing and now you're gone. <laughs> it says on his Wikipedia page, 
he was seen on television in 1989 shaking hands with the president at the State of the Union. So we just don't think that he, that's the one thing we know he did. Every single year, Elliot Engel would arrive to the State of the Union. He would arrive to the State of the Union hours early so he could get an aisle seat and shake the hands of any president. That's Elliot Engel, and now he's gone. He's gone. To some to some to some <laughs> some middle grade principal fucked out. What is it saying he was pro choice, quote, all the way. He was pro State of the Union address, pro president. He was a true proud Democrat. Such and now he's dicks. gone. Such dicks. <sighs> These guys suffered in Congress for forty years. Goodbye. Elliot Engel and goodbye, Elliot Engel. Okay, so Manson. New York, New York Seventeenth District has been represented since the same time Elliot Engel came to Congress in the year. Okay, I'm gonna get under control. In the year 1989, a beautiful woman named Nita Lowey. She also came to Congress and and she decided that she is going to resign because she's been there a long time. Right, and she she picked, she picked her own person to succeed her. And that person lost. We could have had another Nita Lowy because she said, "We said, <laughs> instead, some crazy fucking person named Mondaire, Mondaire Jones." So Lamar Bowman. Montaire Jones, I know that you're both black and progressive, and that's like the future, I guess, of the party, but I fucking hate you right now. <laughs> Bye, Elliot. Bye, Nita. We'll miss you. Oh, God. Oh. Oh, well, Elliot uh... was survived by this photo of his amazing comb-over and mustache. <laughs> Love that mustache. Oh, that that business about Elliot Engel showing up to every single state of the union address, no matter how who the president was, hours in advance, so he could shake his hand. You beautiful son of a bitch, you you really did at that time. The only endorsement made by Hillary Rodham Clinton this primary season lost. What a shocker! What a shocker! What a shocker! Well, I think it's time to wrap up this show, boys. Let's hop into a bit of the announcements towards the end. Let's Patreon. say, first of all, I would like to say thank you for everyone who has listened to this show and headed right on over to patreon.com forward slash left and leftist. And that's left and leftist. And you can give it any amount. We have a really cool feature that we're going to feature on this show when we get our first patron. Because we're on episode number three, we don't have any yet, and that is okay. But when we get our first one, we are going to play some amazing sound effects for you when you give at the selected levels in that Patreon page. So head on over, become a radical today. Become a democratic socialist. Or let us <laughs> or know don't. if you are truly a leftist. That don't you, forget that the ten we we agreed last week on ten dollars for for ten dollar patron Caleb and I are going to egg your house, Coulter. I uh, and we will take a video of it and I will send it to that patron. I will gladly egg Coulter's house. Yeah, but this is the 
time where you're going to see me like in actual camo, head to toe. It's it's going to be scary. You don't know how dangerous that is in Colorado, my friend. Yeah, and look. head on over to patreon.com forward slash left and leftist. The other way to support the show is obviously write us a review. Head over to Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts right now, just scroll to the bottom of your screen and click a five-star review. Any review is going to help people find the show better. And we love the feedback. We want to know how to improve. And so give us feedback. We want to know what you like and what you don't like. So reviews really, really help. And the last way that you can support (laughs) the show is to head over to our website, leftandleftist.com, and click on our sponsor links. We don't have any yet, but we will soon. And when we do, please head over there and click on them. Other than that, that is... I've got a plug. Oh, let's hear your plug. I've got a plug. It has specifically to do with you. Well, with where you live. Uh, If you live in Colorado and it's Monday and you're listening to the show and you still haven't submitted a ballot, we at Left and Leftist endorse Andrew Romanoff for Colorado for the United States Senator from Colorado. So if you haven't submitted your ballot yet and it's Monday, do it. Or go out into the freaking go be a vector, go be an elections vector and freaking go vote in person. I mean but, but however you do it, vote for Romanoff. Coulter already has, right? So good news about Colorado, there is no in person voting. You can just Oh there's none at all. None That's at all. the only so way to you, you can only mail in here. Okay. So, they they mail in ballots like the world is I, I, it's amazing they it's work odd. Right? Salt so, Lake County so, forever like. yeah I, I'll tell you right now 100% mail-in ballot I voted two weeks ago it was amazing and, yeah vote uh, anyway yeah vote anyway and that is the end of this week's show and I am excited to talk to you next week bye bye <laughs>